0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hello, there we go. Cool. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been such a, a blessed, blessed worship session, and um, yeah, that that song of the the mountaintops and the valleys is yeah like such a blessing, and yeah, it really has been. Um, think it 's so beautiful what it says, you know, just dancing in joy in the valleys, and I think that's that 's just amazing um, yeah, so we are i think this is week four in our faith month um, and we 've had andrew we 've had um, we 've had Stefan and we 've had Henny preach on faith and um, yeah, so today we are continue, continuing on the the topic of faith, and um, I actually started preaching on faith in January, end of Jan, and um, so today will be sort of the fourth and the last one of the ones I've, I've done. and um, just to catch you all up, um, I don't know if it's on there, but uh, we, we touched on four. These do not really lead onto one another, um, but they are quite good to listen to as you go. But um, it, we started with faith object being God's promise. Um, then we moved on to faith's focus, being God. We did faith's feebleness and God's faithfulness. And then today we will be looking at faith's exchange. Um, and so on this topic of faith, like this was not something that was recent for me. Um, last year June I felt like the Lord gave me this this word, the scripture in Romans 4, and that's what we're going to look at today. And, and it's really been a wrestle for me up until now. Um, even spending this much time on the scripture, it still, you know, opens up and there's still revelation to be seen. And um, one sort of thing we've pulled through all four of these topics is the definition of faith, which is based on Romans 4.21, and it goes... Like this. It says, faith is being fully persuaded that what God has promised, He alone has the power to perform and adjusting our lives accordingly. So, can you just repeat that with me one more time, please? Faith is being fully persuaded that what God has promised, He alone has the power to perform and adjusting our lives accordingly. Cool. So looking, just going back to June uh, last year and the, the journey the Lord has walked with me regarding the scripture, um, one thing that's been extremely evident is like when we read the word, when we make time and we sit with the word and we, we learn something in scripture or we learn something new about God's character, it's not a revelation right up front. Um, it takes time for the Holy Spirit to actually like work with us and sit with us and and sometimes move our human filter out of the way to where we actually come to this beautiful unfiltered truth that what the Holy Spirit is actually really trying to say to us. Um, and, And I think this is really what I'm praying for this morning. This is what I'm praying for, for us is that there would be an unfiltered truth. There would really be a This truth that transforms our hearts, that really touches us that deeply, that this is a word that we will never forget, like in the valleys, on the mountains, that we will hold on to this word. And so um, I'm just going to start for us in prayer, and then we're going to read Romans 4. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord, so much for this morning. The fact that the sun came up, Lord, and the birds are singing, Lord Jesus, is just evidence that you are in control, Lord. And Lord, even though some of us might sit here this morning, Lord, listening to this sermon and being like, Lord, I don't know if you're in control, Lord, the fact that this universe, Lord, is just goes on as normal, Lord, means that you are. And Lord, I pray just for your word, Lord, thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that it is active, Lord. It's not dead letters on pages, Lord. When your Holy Spirit breathes on it, Lord, it has power to transform us, Lord, and change us into the likeness of your Son. So, Lord, we just thank you for this, Lord. We, I just give you every single word, Lord. I just surrender into your hands, Lord, and say thank you, Lord, that you are the one that guides um, every word, Lord. And, um, yeah, we open up our hearts to your word. Amen. All right. Um, Projection, guys, thank you so much for moving mountains to get the projection up. Um, all right, so Romans four thirteen to 25, um, and I'm reading out of the NIV. And let's start with verse 13. It says, It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs... Faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations... He is our Father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abram in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, So shall your offspring be. So without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So as I mentioned before, um, you know, on wrestling with the scripture, sort of just want to tell you a little bit of my journey with this piece of scripture. And this, like I mentioned, started like last year, June. And at first my understanding around the scripture was a very self-focused perspective. Um, shortly before I received, I felt like the Lord gave me this word, I actually f- received a promise. Um, a promise not just for me, but for my wife and I, for our family. Um, you know, and, and this word was very much, um, when I got this word, all I could think about was like how ideal it would be to live in these promises. And And then I started realizing, okay, but God has the power to do these promises because he gave me these promises. And so like Abraham, I just need to have faith. Uh, Sounds pretty simple. Um, And then it it started evolving into a deeper understanding of surrender. It started changing into now receiving these promises from the Lord, laying them back down again giving them back to him and saying, Lord, these are your promises and, and you are the one who have the power to perform them. So I'm laying it down at your feet and and I trust you that you will you know, give me the promises that I have faith for. And And the Lord was communicating to me about all these things. He really was. But then I started understanding the Lord was speaking to me more specifically about something that was the foundation of all these things and the lord was actually trying to explain to me the importance of understanding righteousness through faith so even when alex read that scripture i think like righteousness popped up like four times and it's something we read we read throughout scripture righteous righteousness Um, And and so in this scripture as well, we see this thing constantly of righteousness through faith. And so some of you might be like, you know, I've read this, I understand it. Um, You know, it seems like quite a fundamental thing for a Christian to understand. But have we ever stopped to actually ask ourselves, what does that mean? Righteousness. Through faith, how does that work? Um, and that and that's what we're going to talk about. And so, um, in order to understand righteousness through faith, I want us just to look at righteousness at its core, and let's just see what the the Greek translation of that is. So the way you pronounce that is dikaiosunai, and um, or it's maybe ne, but. That's, that's up for debate. Um, so the definition of that is justice, approved by God, rightness, right standing with God. And so in essence, the word righteousness means that it is a standard that is approved by God. And now that we understand what righteousness is, it's a standard that's approved by God, do we know anyone maybe even ourselves, who we can say, like, I know a righteous person on earth. I know a person that meets and is approved by God's standard, that lives that perfect life. And Paul argues in Scripture that there is no one. To the extent that Romans 3's title for verse 9 to 20 is, no one is righteous, and Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so if, if this statement is true, that God is holy and just, and we are sinful at heart, how do we as Christians then confidently and consistently have a right-standing relationship with God? How do we confidently and consistently meet God's standard? If we are sinful at heart. And so a lot of us might say, but I'm a good person. I am a good person. Like, you know, I, I offer everyone coffee in my office. Or, you know, I, I do Bible study every now and then. Or I, I pray or I lead a small group or whatever ever that might be. Or I'm not nearly as evil as the people that, some people that have walked the earth. You know? And and so and, and the problem with that perspective is it goes directly against the actual definition of righteousness. Because we end up measuring our righteousness to man's standard and not to God's. And and there's a there's a beautiful message of redemption here. This is not where it stops. Yet it is so important. To understand that we are sinful, that we are not righteous, and that none of us are. And I'm so grateful that we, we serve a loving Father, a loving God. He's holy and just, but He is loving and He is so compassionate. And I would just like to go back to Romans 4. and We're going to read the first five verses of Romans 4. And it says... What then shall we say that, say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified or made righteous by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies or makes righteous the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So, we've looked at this word righteousness, being God's standard, but when we look at what Paul's saying, he connects this word credited to righteousness. He says, it was credited to them as righteousness, to to Abraham, and and in fact, we see this three times in from verse one to five, and we see it three times again in verse twenty-two to twenty-four. Um, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words "it was credited to him" were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. And so, we understand. We understand righteousness. But now, like, we have to look at what this word credited means. And it's as if Paul sets this, he sets this pattern throughout Romans 4. It's like through faith, it was credited, it was righteousness was credited to him. So it's faith, then credited, and then the final result is that righteousness. And so credited means in Greek... I hate these words, Um, logizumai, logizumai, there we go. Uh, It sounds a bit Chinese, but... (laughs) So the meaning of it is to reckon, to count, to compute, to calculate, or to pass to one's account. So the root of this word is an actual accounting term, credit. We have a debit, we have a credit side, In accounting, right? And so this is actually what this means. Some other translation says it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so what Paul is trying to actually say here, he says that there's a transaction happening. He says that Paul Paul is saying that faith in God credits or transfers righteousness into our account. And the question is, do we need this righteousness? And I think we established that. We do need righteousness. Not just any righteousness. We need God's righteousness. Not a striving to be better. We can never meet God's standard without His help. And we need to put our faith in Him in order to be right with Him. And Romans 3 From verse 22 says this is really beautiful. It says that this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified or made righteous freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just or righteous and the one who justifies or makes righteous those who have faith in Jesus. And so I think it's quite obvious how much emphasis Paul is putting on this word faith. And he's putting credited as righteousness as this result that comes through faith constantly. And so faith is quite important. And while I was praying for the sermon, um, I was asking the Lord, like, Lord, faith is such a big word, such a, a hard word. Um, And it's so difficult to explain. Could you, like, break it down for me? And And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, faith is the only currency you get to trade with in heaven. And, like, and that took me so much time to think about that and to pray about it. And it started making sense that faith is our heavenly currency. And, and when does something become a currency? It's when it carries a type of value, right? And if you think about it, there's nothing else we can offer to the Lord that carries value. We cannot offer him our righteousness because we don't have righteousness. We can't offer him holy lives or, perfect or perfection or money or achievements. He has everything. He's sovereign. He has no lack. But he requires our faith. And understand me, right? Like, I'm not saying that we are saved because of our great faith. Romans 4.16 backs this up, but it says, The promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. Faith activates grace. And a commentary by Douglas Moo uh, called The Epistle to the Romans, he makes this beautiful quote that like, explains this so beautifully. It says, God's plan and promise was made to rest on faith on man's side in order that on God's side it might be a matter of grace. I just want to read that again for us. God's plan and promise was made to rest on faith on man's side, in order that on God's side it might be a matter of grace. And to go back to the question of why do we need righteousness? Like Paul uses the term credited as righteousness. On the flip side, through our lives, we build up a debt of sin. Through our lives... It doesn't, and we can never cancel it out with good works. We can never balance out our our account statement with the amount of good works to the amount of sin we've committed. And no good works can justify that sin in our lives. No good works can turn that over into a righteousness. And the fact of the matter is we have an account against us. And we are all trying to be righteous. I mean, we are not trying to be bad people. We try to live our lives. Whether you're Christian or not, you don't go out to hurt people. You don't try to be a bad person. And, and we all try to justify ourselves in some way or another. You know, in, in the movie Chariots of Fire, and this was such a beautiful example, um, we have two characters. We have Eric Little and we have Harold Abrams. Eric Little, like being so you know on fire for the Lord, and then Harold Abrams just really focusing on this race. And Eric makes the statement. He says, "I believe God made me for a purpose. He also made me fast, and and when I run, I feel His pleasure." But Harold Abrams says the following. He says, and now in one hour, hour's time, I will be out there again. I will rise my, raise my eyes and look down that corridor four feet wide with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. But will I? And Tim Keller so beautifully like compares the two runners. And he says, Harold Abrams was weary even when he rested. And Eric Little was rested even when he was exerting himself. Why? Because there's a work underneath our work that we really need rest from and is the work of self-justification. And whether that is our jobs, whether that is you know, a specific position, a, spe- a specific home, whatever we aim for, a lot of us justify ourselves and say like, I will, I will feel like I've made it when I've met this standard. And we set a standard for ourselves and we run so hard after it. And the question is like, like Harold Abraham says, like when I get there, will I be satisfied? Will I be justified? In Romans 4.21, this is Abraham's heart just like Eric Little was. It says like, Abraham being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. There's no striving in that. And this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered over to death for our sins, who was raised to life for our justification. So faith in Jesus is the only way we get to say, I am right with God. Because he is the one who made faith's exchange possible in the first place. Without Jesus, our faith means nothing. If Jesus' if Jesus's, um, his sacrifice was not there, our faith would, be, would mean absolutely nothing. And so even his price that he paid on the cross is the thing that adds value behind our faith. And see, like when when we look at that debit, that debit and credit, and our sin debt, all the things that count against us, the Bible is quite clear and says that the penalty of sin is death. And Jesus beautifully made this exchange and he took our account. And on the cross, he proclaimed, It is finished. He said, The debt is paid. And when he was raised to life for our justification or for our righteousness, you see, the death was credited to him. So that through faith in Jesus, righteousness could be credited to us. Jesus took that debt account and closed it on the cross. He closed it. He killed it and said, you are brand new. And then when he rose from the dead, like verse 25 says, it says that he was raised to life for justification. What happened? Jesus made a new account and he deposited his righteousness. Your account is dead And you have a new account that is raised to righteousness. And that's just, that's amazing. It's not something you started, not something you opened up. It's not a deposit you saved for your whole life and now you get to add to that. You gave an exchange of faith. That's it. And Paul says in Romans 5, he says, and just to, this is right after as he finishes with Romans 4. Like what we've been reading. He constantly speaks of faith, 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 receiving this righteousness. It is as if Paul changes into like the song of worship, the song of praise when he goes into Romans 5. And he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has has been given to us. And so we are justified through faith. We are made righteous through faith, not by striving. And you know, sc- striving says, striving says, I am obeying to be made righteous. I am obeying God in order to be made righteous. But faith says, I am obeying because I've been made righteous. I'm following, I'm following him because he've made, he's made me righteous. Do give a a bit of a testimony of how the Lord taught me this on a very practical level. Um, It was about three, four years ago. And one evening I went to the Santan service and, um, and that weekend I made a lot of bad decisions. And I added quite a big amount to that sin debt over that weekend. And I remember Walking into church and worship started and, and I felt so ashamed. And I said to the Lord, like, Lord, if, if they know what I have done, they wouldn't even let me into church. <laughs> but I was standing there and the Lord started ministering to me. And the Lord showed me this picture of a canvas. And he showed me on this canvas were all these uh, paintbrush strokes. And the Lord said to me, this is your life. This is what you have done up until now. Um, And when I came into your life, when you put your faith in me and I made you righteous, I didn't take white paint and paint over yours. I gave you a new canvas. Um, And I was like, thank you, Lord, that's beautiful. And then the Lord said, I want you to go share it in the front, (laughs) on the mic. (laughs) And... And, um, yeah, it's, sometimes it takes a lot for the Holy Spirit to give us just that nudge um and and I went to the front and I shared it, um but carried this the shame, right, this thing of like, Lord, I don't deserve to be up there like i i I haven't done enough quiet time, I haven't been praying enough, like I haven't been seeking you enough, I don't feel holy enough, Lord." And, and I shared this word, and I went to my seat, and as I sat down, a lady walked up with a white canvas. Um, and I believe the Lord did that for me, because that night He showed me that uh, and she said, like, "This canvas has nothing to do with what I'm preaching about. I just felt the Lord saying, "Bring a white canvas to church." Um, and, and, and the Lord taught me something, that His righteousness is not based on my performance. The way He sees me is not based on me. Even me standing here is not because of my merit. It's all because of grace. None of us can boast, like Paul says, not before God. And, and I just want to read us a few beautiful scriptures regarding righteousness Romans 6.18 says, Having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And that's like what we said, I'm obeying because I've been made righteous. But seek the first, first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew 6.31-33 The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Isaiah thirty two seventeen. And for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17. And could I just invite the band to come up, please? And I just just want us to, you know, really praying about this. And this word is something we know this word is something we believe but i want us to try and imagine like if we had full faith in the fact that we are righteous and that righteousness is not based on our performance it's not based on our merit how can the enemy shake us how can he come and tell you that you are not worthy how can he tell you that god doesn 't want you or that God has turned his his back on you or he 's turned his face away from you, and this word says otherwise, and i I just want to put out the invitation like as a friend, like if you have never made faith 's exchange, if you have never chosen to exchange that faith for God's righteousness. Like that is the first invitation I want to make. We do not want to be like Harold Abrams and at the end of our lives be like did I justify myself? Did I make it? Or are we willing to surrender that to the Lord and say Lord you are the one who justifies? And the second invitation I just want to make is for those who have been walking a long road with the Lord. But I really feel like the Lord is saying a lot of, a lot of us has, has grown tired, has grown weary. And, and that running of pleasure, that pleasure in our run, with the Lord like Eric Little has been transformed into a striving and it's made us exhausted and it's because our faith has been removed our faith has been shifted and trusting in His righteousness and we are trying to fight for our own we are trying to justify ourselves and I, the invitation this morning is to to transfer from a place of striving into a place of faith. To be like Abraham when we look at our righteousness and say, Lord, you have the power to do what you have promised. No one else on this earth has ever come up to me and say, I promise you righteousness but you. So why would I trust in anyone else but you? If we could just close our eyes. I'm not going to do a forward invitation just for COVID, but this is personal. This is between us and the Lord. And there's no perfect way of praying this. There's no perfect way of asking this. But it's bringing that raw faith of exchange, that raw faith exchange and saying, Lord, like I'm laying this at your feet. This is all I got. Thank you that your word says that that you receive that and in return you give me your righteousness. Thank you Lord that you have set us free from sin and we are slaves of righteousness. We want to run our race Lord and have pleasure as we run it Lord. That we will rejoice and our hardships that you would develop us, Lord develop our character teach us, Lord, how to look to you always teach us, Lord, how to cling to your righteousness and when we fail, Lord, that we might be like David and like Psalm 51, Lord, where he says I am white as snow like Hebrews 10 says, Lord, that we can confidently come to you through the veil that is your flesh, Lord, and through the blood, Lord. And as we sort of walk through that curtain, Lord, that we wash clean and we stand before you righteous. And that when you see us, Lord, you look at your son blameless because he closed our account. Lord, and I want to pray for identities this morning, Lord. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you, that you engrave, Lord, this word righteousness in our hearts, Lord. That the enemy will never be able to lie to us, Lord, to say that God doesn't love you. He's not a father to you anymore. You have taken it too far this time. Lord, where any enemy have gotten any strongholds like that, Lord, we break that in the name of Jesus. And we let your word of truth, Lord, prevail in every heart. Thank you, Lord, that we yoke with you and not with anyone else. Lord, I just want to pray for those, Lord, who are still holding on to their faith, Lord who's never made that exchange, Lord, who's never given that faith over to you. Lord, thank you that you are gracious and loving, that you are beautiful, Lord, that you sent your Son to die for us on the cross, Lord, so that we could be in right standing with the God of the universe, Lord. Lord, thank you that you say that whoever puts their faith in me, whoever repents and puts their faith in me, they will be saved. Thank you that you're working in every heart, Lord. Thank you for a confident assurance Lord. A confident knowing. Our righteousness is in you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, we also just want to come and repent, Lord, where we have started striving, Lord. Where we have decided, Lord, to, to fight for our righteousness, To try and prove ourselves to you, Lord. To set standards in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, which we called your standards, Lord. Where we have been so busy to try and please you, Lord, that we missed you. Bring us back, Lord, like it was prayed this morning. Bring us back to the basics, Lord. Bring us back, Lord, to the place where we are children and all we need to be is just to be before you, Lord. Just to know and believe, Lord, that you are our Abba Father and that you love us, Lord. Lord, thank you that if we seek that, if we seek your kingdom and its righteousness, Lord, All other things will be added. And thank you, Lord, that that is a promise that you give to us. Fix our eyes again, Lord, on you, on your righteousness. Thank you, Lord, for the the word that you gave this morning. Thank you for the seed, Lord, that has gone out in every heart, Lord. Thank you that it's on good ground. That it will take root, Lord, and that it will carry fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. That the world might see your righteousness through us, Lord. That we will become ambassadors, Lord, of your righteousness. Our country, Lord, the world is in desperate need. Of true righteousness. Seeing people that walk holy, Lord. We wanna we wanna represent you well, Lord. We don't just want to do good works. We want to live and be holy as you are holy, Lord. And we thank you that, Holy Spirit, you are the only one that can do that. Oh Lord, we just bless everyone, Lord, that was here this morning. Every person that was watching over YouTube, Lord. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you will constantly bring this word up and remind us of it. May we ponder on it, Lord. May we not forget this word when we go away from this morning, Lord. But may it be something we carry with us, Lord, for the rest of our lives. May it ignite the fire, Lord, to sit at your feet. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.